the New York Times best-selling sports writer turned Christian inspiration writer Mitch Albom has helped so many people perhaps with his number of books that he has authored. For example, to those who are in the process of dying, he might have helped them to cope with that as they read his wonderful book, Tuesdays with Maury, in which he recounted his experiences with this, this older gentleman who was in the last months of his life and how every Tuesday he would go and have a conversation with him and then began to take care of him. For those who grieve the loss of a loved one, maybe his book, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, and now his latest release that came out just a few weeks ago, The Next Person You Meet in Heaven, might bring comfort as we imagine what heaven is like. But perhaps in the midst of his wonderful works, even though it was a New York Times bestseller, Maybe one of his overlooked or forgotten books is his 2013, The First Phone Call from Heaven. It's the story of a community, a fictitious town, I believe, called Coldwater, Michigan. And in this town, a handful of people begin to receive phone calls, and when they pick up and they hear the voice on the other end, they're startled, they're shocked because it's their family members, it's their friends who are calling them who have already gone to their eternal rest. It's as if the dead are speaking to them, and that's what was happening, that they received these phone calls. And for one of those individuals even, it wasn't a family member, it wasn't a friend, but it was someone that he had wronged, and that person was calling him. The people who received these calls were told by their loved ones, I'm happy here, Dad. Don't worry about me. Or, I am at peace. Stop crying, darling. I'm here, safe and sound. I'm okay, Dad. There's no bad days here. It's better than we dream. Of course, you can imagine that as these individuals begin to receive these phone calls and as word begins to spread, chaos breaks out in this town. People begin to flock there, seeking to understand and to know, and one happens to be a journalist looking for the break in her career so that she breaks this story to tell it to the world. And then investigative journalism ensues, and they try to discover how exactly this is happening. Is it a prank? How can this be? I won't ruin the book. Maybe you want to read it, but the story ends. And I think, though, it gives us a wonderful thing to think about, though, that first phone call from heaven, that if those who have died in the Lord and those who are with God in eternal life, if they could give us a message now, to us who are left behind, what might they say to us? Well, first of all, the whole premise of the book is this conversation that happens between the receiver of the phone call and the one who has died. And I truly believe that all of us can have conversations with our loved ones. And as we've been doing these cemetery visits uh, to the various cemeteries in the area, 
People have had perhaps that opportunity to go and to visit the grave of one of their loved ones or family members and maybe to have a conversation. As I was catching up on some TV shows from last year, from the last season before the new season, there was something that struck me uh, in some of them as they came to their close, their finale for the year. There were a few of them, not one, not two, but three or four that ended with this scene of one of the people, one of the characters at the grave of a loved one having a conversation. For example, in the TV show Criminal Minds, Penelope Garcia goes to the grave of her parents, killed by a drunken driver, and cries at the grave and says, I'm sorry, because that night they were hit, they were out looking for her. And so she had so much that she was carrying. And so that was a very healing moment, even though it was many, many years later. Danny Reagan from the TV show Blue Bloods goes to his wife's grave and there tells her, tells her how difficult it is for him as he raises their two or three children. And he shares the difficulty of being a single parent. And so there are those conversations that can happen at that graveside. We can talk to the dead. We see it in the transfiguration that Jesus goes up this mountain and there he speaks with Moses and Elijah. Yes, and then we see it today in the gospel. In the story of the road to Emmaus that Jesus who has risen from the dead is walking with the disciples but they don't recognize him. But he's conversing with them, speaking with them. And so we truly can have a conversation. We can share our own hearts. And as we share with them, what is it then that they might share to us? Maybe reading the first phone call from heaven, you'll see some of the messages that the author envisions. But maybe tonight, these are just a few things that our loved ones might wish to say to us. Maybe the first would be to be at peace. That maybe when someone dies, there's a lot of turmoil that happens within our own lives. And maybe there's a lot of regrets that come up, that surface, that we should have done more. I didn't do enough. I know for myself, when my own mother died last year, that was something that I had. I had a lot of regret. I was an only child. I should have visited her more. I should have went and cleaned her house once a week. I should have done all of these things. But maybe the message for us tonight, if we have these regrets, is to simply be at peace and to know that they appreciated all that we did for them. Maybe the second message would be, remember me. And that remembrance can happen in many different ways. It could be the remembrance we have every time we look at a photo of the individual, that we remember them, that we never forget them. Or perhaps we pass by a favorite place where a memory was formed, and we recall that memory and we remember them. Or we hear their favorite song on the radio or watch their favorite TV show. Maybe it's at those times that we can remember them. In our gospel tonight, they were remembering 
all the things that had happened, that Jesus died, that they claimed he rose from the dead. They were remembering all these events. And maybe they were missing the signs that Jesus was with them. And perhaps there are certain things in our own lives, in our own situation, that can serve as little remembrances. Maybe there's a little sign every now and again that makes you think of your loved one. For me, for my, when my grandmother passed, she loved cardinals. And so every time I see a cardinal, I always wonder, you know, I always call to mind the memory of my grandmother. It was after I was ordained a priest that one day I read or I saw on the internet that cardinals are a sign of eternal life. And so that brought great comfort. And so we look for these little signs these little tokens of remembrance. Maybe they'd also want to tell us that they're waiting for us. In one of the Gospels, I think it's the Gospel of Mark, I think we had it maybe a few weeks ago at Sunday Mass, but the story goes that Jesus tells is that a man dies and he wants to come back from the dead and be able to warn or to tell all his loved ones about what he is experiencing or what they might experience. And so maybe they want to tell us, I'm waiting for you. And as they wait for us, they want to say, well, live your life worthy of the kingdom of heaven, seeking God every day, praying every day, forgiving every day, so that as they wait for us in the eternal kingdom, as we wait to be with them, well, then one day, that will be fulfilled, that will be reunited again. Also, maybe they would tell us, pray for me. That's what we heard tonight in the book of Maccabees in the first reading. The story of the, the war that had happened, how many had perished. And then it said that it's a good and a noble deed to pray for the dead, to offer expiatory sacrifices. And maybe tonight as we gather here, that's what they say to us. Pray for me, and isn't that what we do tonight? We pray for our loved ones. We pray for their eternal rest, and we remember and pray for them. I know many of you, as I celebrate Mass Sunday after Sunday, that you have Masses said for your loved ones, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a way for us really to remember and call to mind their memory to pray for them, to offer that expiatory sacrifice. But also, the Mass is a participation in heaven. And so when we gather around the altar, when we come to Mass, we're united with those who have gone before us. Maybe lastly, as they might say, pray for me, maybe they would say, I'm praying for you. That now that they're with God, that they can pray for us. And in some ways, they are closer to us than they were in this life. And so they're praying for us, for our well-being, for our success, that they see all and know all now and pray for us. You see this book of Mitch Albom's, The First Phone Call from Heaven. I don't think we really need a phone in order to have that conversation, in order to receive these messages that our loved ones might want to say to us. Because wherever we are, in the depths of our heart, 
as we treasure their memory, we can speak to them and they can speak to us.